Hello, and welcome to Season 3 of Flop Stars. I'm Sam Murphy, and I'm joined, as always, by Nick Kelly. But before I automatically roll into my spiel that I usually do, <laughs> we're doing things a little bit differently this week. As we did at the end of last year, we did a little wrap on the year, and it took us two episodes because we banged on for so long. So this time, we're going to do a quarterly wrap, and... We're at the close of the third month of 2021, so we're going to do our quarter one wrap. Hello, Nick. How are you? Welcome to our quarterly wrap episode. It's very exciting. I feel like I'm in the boardroom of a major financial company presenting my quarterly findings to the rest of the board. That's what it feels like to be here. We have put together our report. We've got our graphs. We've got our sales (laughs) figures. And we're ready to point out the flops. (laughs) (laughs) We were just saying as well, it's been interesting. There's been so many, I feel like there's been a fair few big pop moments of this year so far, but when we're actually looking at it, it's actually been a pretty slow start to the year in terms of new releases. And a lot of last year's releases are still kind of, you know, petering out into the early parts of 2021. Yeah, I think if you look at the charts right now, like almost every top 10 is filled up with songs from last year around the world. And it's because Mm. there just hasn't been that many new releases. I mean, there's been bits and pieces and it's certainly heating up. I think the Lana Del Rey, Justin Bieber battle of last week is a sign that the major artists are back in play now. Um, But yeah, it's been very quiet. And if it wasn't for a few big um, news stories at the top of the year, we'd almost have nothing to talk about on this episode. Well, that's not true, actually, because nothing could have happened and we'd still be able to turn it into a three (laughs) three hour episode you know what we're like (laughs) but most of the news stories have been made up by artists that we have talked about on this podcast we had the zane album come early in the year we had um well lily allen's done nothing years and years have announced that it will just be ollie from now on and Ollie is also releasing a single next month. So we've got that. Woo! I'm trying to think of who else we've done and who's... Anyway, there's been lots. Just trust us. <laughs> <laughs> I trust you. I inherently trust you. Our silent producer just handed me a tea, so I'm ready to go. No testy pops this pro- week. <laughs> oh, we'll see. We'll see about that. <laughs> I've made one of the worst coffees of my life. Oh my gosh, what a crew. What We're a all crew here. behind you. The family's Yay! here. because nobody else can see that we should probably push on there's a dog and a human that's all you need to know let's launch into a story that i've kind of been dying to talk about on this podcast all year um but because it is about flops it doesn't leave a lot of room to talk about a song that came out of nowhere and spent about eight weeks at number one so (laughs) at the top of the year olivia rodrigo a seemingly Unknown, I mean, unknown to a lot of people, but known to kind of like the TikTok generation because she was on a TV show called High School Musical, the musical, the series, the series, the musical, something like that. The musical Um, series, you got it in one. Came out with a song called Driver's License, was kind of like definitely up the top of New Music Friday, but certainly not like the launch artist for the week. Um, And then the whole world, throughout the week just fell in love with it and the projections just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger and she debuted at number one which I certainly didn't see coming at all did you see coming you're a little bit younger than me maybe you were up up with the kids 
we're not that far apart. <laughs> I'm about to turn 26. Um, the <laughs> it's like one gestational cycle between us. But you the, told me you were three last week. That's right. I'm only three, and it's not my fault. Please, mm. I'm only three. Um, the big, <laughs> with with driver's license, it's it's a really interesting one. I think she was the first um, female solo debut single since Lauren Hill, and Lauren Hill obviously had a backstory being a part of something beforehand as well the fujis um, the fujis i was gonna say the fujis but i wasn't confident so i just sort <laughs> okay. of said something instead but i thought it was the fujis um so obviously yeah there's a slight backstory to it but i would say she was a relative unknown in terms of the people that do drive streaming and sales figures yeah. um you know songs can exist in this sort of tiktok universe and not really break through to the mainstream unless they get a proper push and especially not this quickly but what seemed to happen is it was just the perfect storm. And I'll, I'll break down the parts of that storm. You had a relatable relationship drama happening in the real world. You had a bit of a platform for her being a part of a televised series. You had a crew of people who were watching that series letting the story fester on the Gen Z platform that is TikTok okay. um, and, and craft a story around what this song was going to sound like. You also had the early seeding of this song with a demo put up on Instagram six months earlier that started the fire. Um, then you had the announcement that this, this song called Driver's License, which she'd already teased on Instagram to a million followers, was coming. So the story continues. There's the Sabrina Carpenter drama. But what you had at the core of all of that is a really amazing song. Just a beautifully written, perfectly constructed song. There's a really great episode of Switched On Pop that looks at the breakdown of how perfect this song is in terms of what you want it to do. You know, in terms of never result, like it doesn't resolve. It it does things you don't expect it to do. It goes half time in the bridge. What you've got there is just a perfect song and a little bit of a story around it, but what was fascinating to me was it went so far beyond that story and it went so far beyond the people that had connected to the song because of the story. It went to people who were hearing it on face value, had never heard the story or her name and yeah. just heard this song that was just so immediately heartbreaking and that is the special thing about the driver's license story. It's definitely an immediately great song and it's so cool to see a song connect with people so quickly particularly with people who didn't know anything about her before and it kind of reiterates to you that you can have the um like viral tiktok moments and you can have all these really like hyper marketed music moments but at the end of the day like driver's license success came off the fact that people connected with that song really quickly so much so that i feel like the story of that like love triangle has kind of been left behind now. We like I'm not even, I'm not thinking about it. Not that I was it was consuming oh. my days or anything like that, but I'm not thinking about it at all. Um, but most interestingly for me, I feel like we've spent so long in this pop world that's been heavily influenced by a generation of artists who grew up on like your Britneys and Christinas and like the old guard of of female pop stars. And Olivia Rodrigo, and I guess to some extent Billie Eilish as well, are the first signs of a generation that's grown up on like Taylor Swift, Lana Del Rey, Lord. And it seems to be this real shifting of sound. And I think we're going to see a lot of songs that start to sound like Driver's License um, just because these, like, these kids basically have grown up with that kind of like really earnest singer-songwriter pop. 
I just find it, I feel like we're entering a really new time and that driver's license for me, I can hear Lord all through it. I know there's been like, I was listening to the New York Times podcast on it and some of them were disagreeing that the Lord influence, but I just cannot not hear Lord in this song. No, I can definitely hear Lord as well. You can definitely hear the sort of immediacy of something like a green light just with a little bit, you know, but it's sort of like a green light, but green light kind of goes bam and then pulls back bam and then pulls back this actually just builds across the whole song until you're in an absolute heap at the end yeah. um i really i welcome the idea of you know i thought this was a really exciting indictment two weeks into the year to have a song that was just so so well written be the biggest song at the moment and my thinking is let's keep that going let's keep songwriting at the front and really great songs being the story and yeah. I think it is, it's proven that it's possible to just write a song that is so fucking good that everyone just universally agrees that it's great. And I think that's going to drive songwriters to do better and to make better songs. And I'm really hopeful for the future of songwriting in pop music at the moment. You know what's really funny? I feel like when I think about the, f- the biggest flops of the last like six to 12 months, they've been songs that have been really like heavily manufactured for tiktok if you think about a song like amory's birthday or like lil nas x's holiday they're all just like made for tiktok and they didn't do anything and weirdly like tiktok has gravitated towards this really earnest songwriting and you saw it in driver's license and then you saw it again at the top of the year with scissors good days which for me like if i hear that i feel like it's one of scissors most unlikely hits and yet it's gone on to be perhaps her biggest solo hit like, why do you think that's suddenly happening that everyone was thinking, oh, TikTok's all about the weird sounds and dances and now suddenly it's about, like, being all in your feelings? I think it's because people have realised that the beauty of TikTok is it's about genuine storytelling and it's about, you know, creative storytelling. And so really earnest and honest music lends itself perfectly into TikTok. Yeah. You know, I think there's been a sort of evolution of tiktok in the last 12 months and so the songs that are working on the platform have had to move with the times as well but what it's really become is this platform and this is going to sound like an ad but it's become a platform where young people can express genuine thoughts genuine feelings and genuine emotions see instant real-time reaction and build an audience and build validation and gratitude which are things that you really need when you're young um, and feeling lonely and feeling lost you know you're able to build an audience of people who genuinely care about your true heartfelt feelings on something straight away. Um, you know, there's a, bu- there's a bunch of people I follow on TikTok just for their one-minute conversations. This are the things that they want to say. And so I think music that does that storytelling lends itself beautifully to the platform now instead of just yeah. those wonky, weird dances and stuff like a Jason Derulo, Savage Love. Um, you know, it's definitely moving on. Which I love to see. And it's so cool to see a song like good days by scissor in the top 10 in the u.s such a like crazy slow burner it's got this like almost like minute instrumental outro it's just like i i just the first time i heard it i was like this is a fan track this is the kind of track that's just gonna like fill a little bit of time until she's ready to come out with the real killer like album track but i think as it's grown on me it's potentially my favorite song of the year i think Wow, that's a big call. It's it's definitely it's definitely a strong one, but I agree with you. An unlikely hit. Um, 
but maybe we need to look more to the unlikely hits to become the hits. Maybe we need to realise, you know, if we connect to it on a certain level, then it's got merit to be a yeah. hit. It's got merit to connect on a massive level if it's connecting to us personally. Um, but I agree, and it's just, it's about fucking time that Scissor is one of the biggest artists on the planet. Yeah. It is about time. Yeah, it's been um, bubbling for a while. Yeah, and she's come back, with, like, Hit Different was such a genius stroke as well and seeing interviews with her around the time she just seems so in her element at the moment and so to see the commercial success come off the back of that is just you love to see it you love to see it and i'm loving this too that these record labels are sitting there scratching their heads being like what's going to work on tiktok and they're going through everything and then the big hits are ones that you just could have never predicted like good days i'm sure they weren't going to market that as a proper single from scissor then you've got this carly ucha song that's almost entirely in spanish that she had to fight to release to do a part spanish part english album and that now that's (laughs) streaming like outrageous numbers and it's her biggest hit to date so people are picking up on the stream things now i'm seeing that unlock it by charlie xcx is starting to take off on tiktok as well so yep. put tiktok in the anr room like it's they're doing a bloody good job and i'm loving well it. to to be honest i think it really is getting into the anr room it really is becoming a massive part of artist stories and becoming a massive part of artist discovery and a lot of artists tend to look at these kinds of things and you know a lot of record labels look at these kinds of things and go, oh, this is just going to be a flash in the pan. This is just going to be a little moment. But I think what they're finding is that people are connecting to songs on a genuine level, just like I was talking about. And they're like, all right, well, we need to look at that and realise that this is what is driving streaming. So we've got to work with more things that that look like this and sound like this. We are going to move on from TikTok, but we're in January, such a slow month, and obviously everyone's had a lot of time over the Christmas break to be on TikTok, so the only songs like kind of firing in January are songs that have been launched off TikTok. Um, But one of the big events in Australia in January is the Hottest 100, Triple J, the alternative radio station there, um, for those of you listening overseas or where I am. They do a countdown of the biggest songs of the year and everyone votes. I think it's the biggest public voted countdown in the world. Um, It's generally a pretty indie skewed countdown and not kind of reflective of what's been popular in the mainstream. However, this week's number, this year's number one kind of came out of nowhere. And I, I I might be wrong in saying this, but I feel like it was a kind of... um, what is it like a slow burner to get to number one i don't think anyone expected this to happen and then in the part the last few weeks it just became the most popular but glass animals heat waves which is now doing big numbers globally as well um it's crazy to see the rise of this song and how it's just continued to do so well from a band that has really not had a big commercial hit yet not at all and they've been you know, relentlessly touring Australia for a long time when that was a thing that you could do, this band from the UK. Um, I was maybe a month before they won the Hottest 100. I realised they weren't an Australian band. That's how present they are in this market. <laughs> Is that for real? Um, I had no idea. I had no. I just thought they were Australian and they were living overseas. But no, they're just a band from London. Um, this song, if you haven't heard it, it's like a woozy kind of tropical um, R&B song almost yeah with a really good hook um and and you're right it really did come up like a dark horse at the end in the last few weeks dark horse, and that's the su- word i was looking for 
Yeah, because it's such a summer and it's such a summery song, and it hit mm. the way that the Hottest 100 Day works for many Australian music fans is you get together with friends, you have a an afternoon out, and it very luckily fell for most of the country on a lovely warm afternoon. Um, so you know, barbecues, just whatever you imagine Australia to be um, in the summertime, that's exactly how people consumed the Hottest 100. I was right next to the beach, you know, diving in for a swim in between songs and. You know, eating sausages and how stuff. lovely, um, how lovely. So that's kind of the way that the hottest one hundred works, and I think the song tends to be that. The year before, it was a surfy kind of rock song from a band called Ocean Alley, and yes, it is quite indie indie skewed. God, that was a shit one. The oh, it was terrible. God, it was so disappointing. It was like, what the fuck is this? What was interesting with this one? Um, Cardi and Megan Wap ended up in the top. Five, which was completely unprecedented. I think one of the, I think the first female rap song to be in the top ten, um, yeah. And like, so there were some some moments of the changing of the guard. And very interestingly, Triple J, who have been our our alternative radio station, but their mandate by the government, because they're government funded, is to be the youth radio station. And what we've seen kind of in the last twelve months is them shift from just being an alternative radio station to them being more reflective of youth. So driver's license got added to the radio station two weeks after its release, which 12 months ago would never have happened. Triple J wouldn't have touched that thing. It would have been too, quote-unquote, commercial. Um, But they are really... They've changed their branding to be... um, Our favourite genre is music. Um, So they play everything now. They're playing anything that's a hit with young people, essentially. Um, But, yeah, going back to Glass Animals winning the countdown, yeah, it's so incredible to see heat waves now just catching fire pardon the pun, right across the globe now as well and kind of circumnavigating back it's to the UK off. and breaking it's a, the US. It's it really like is. On the, broken in the US now. It's confusing Huge. to me. It doesn't really strike me as a... I mean, it's definitely catchy, but it's not... It doesn't stand out to me as something I would have picked to take off, but... I think it goes back to that slow burner idea and also you do catch yourself about six weeks into knowing it really well, like singing it like you're at a festival in the front row. Yeah. Because that chorus definitely. is very It definitely arresting. does linger around in my head. Yeah. And the hook is at the very start of the song, and that's a, it's a genius stroke. If it had started with a verse, it wouldn't have worked. But that chorus drop, and I remember when it got to number one and they hit play on it, and as soon as it got to that, it went, whoop, late nights in the middle of June. And it's just, yeah, it's a moment. You do it's that accent quite well. Whoop, late nights. In, yeah, it's a little bit kind of, um, <laughs> like they are British, they are London. And it's very um, sort of Jamaican, um, fake Jamaican sound. So I don't know, a bit proper. Fake Jamaican it. sounds very Anne Marie. <laughs> rude boy, Anne Marie. A... <laughs> rude boy. <laughs> um, so January was pretty lackluster on releases. We had Zane's album, Nobody Is Listening, which it turns out nobody really did listen to it very much. <laughs> um, we also had Ash Nico's uh, Demi Devil mixtape which I think yeah. is was a pretty good introductory statement. And I think she's going to do some great things. I think deal with it uh, with Khalees has still got legs to do quite well. Um, yep. And the rest of the EP has some great moments on it as well. But what we're going to do is we're going to dive into a song game and you're going to get three song games this week. So you're going to get one for each month. I've tried to keep it within the months, but it's been a weird year and I've, I've mixed up the rules at certain points to suit That's myself. Fine. I'll give you a couple of weeks leeway each month. Oh, thank you. <laughs> You're going to deduct <laughs> points from me. Am I on a three strike yes. rule? <laughs> yes, you are. 
the first competition we've already talked about both of these songs extensively but olivia rodrigo's driver's license scissors good days you're starting with a difficult one but only i feel like only based on the story you know i think good days is such a redeeming moment for the work that scissors put in over the last decade um to get to the point she is right now i think she's really platformed herself for one of the biggest albums of the year um and arguably if good days keeps going the direction it is possibly the biggest album of the year um at least biggest, you know, R&B album of the year. Um, so it's such a moment, but Driver's License, there's just, it's kind of an unparalleled story. And I think an unparalleled song thus far this year in terms of just the raw songwriting brilliance of it. Um, so I'm going to go with Driver's License. Yeah, I, I um, it's interesting to talk about Olivia Rodrigo right now because we still don't know what's going to happen for the rest of her career. There's two paths she could go down and she could be like Taylor Swift where she's going to have a very long career or she could be like Vanessa Carlton where everybody's going to put on a thousand miles driver's license at a party in 15 years time and kind of go off to it and then be like, what, what happened to her? Um, yeah. I hope I'm worried. I'm, I'm nervous. I think she will get through it because what I could tell from the, and it's so weird. I always judge it on the interviews in the early days you can tell there's a genuine human pop being and great pop star there. Yeah. So I really hope that that charisma carries her across. Um, the one concern I do have though is no one's really talking about driver's license anymore. I know it's still it's still top five in the US. Yeah. It's uh, going okay in Australia, but it's off the radio, and I, I'm not hearing people t- say her name at the moment. Yeah. Um, it's almost like she's become a meme oh, fingers at the moment. So we don't want her very... debut album to end up on an episode of Fob Stars. I know. But we're gonna she's do in it. Nerve wracking territory. <laughs> nerve wracking territory, but I'm 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 hopeful that people are smart enough now to stop things from becoming one hit wonders. Yeah, we'll see about that. Um <laughs> I'm gonna go with Scissor Good Days because I've already said it's one of my favourites of the year. That's so good. we can just move on. But I do yep. love um, Driver's License, love the story attached to it, and wishing her the best. <laughs> um, <laughs> next one is Justin Bieber's Anyone, which I believe came out on the first day of the month. And you called one of the best songs of the year in one of our earlier episodes. Let's see if you hold to it. Versus the Kid Leroy without you, which is a song that's really started to really started to take off in the early part of the year. Yeah, the Leroy story is an uh, is just a fantastic one. You know, kid from Sydney moves over to LA, finds his crew, finds his kinship over there, mm-hmm. collaborates with the people that just make sense for his voice, his story, what he wants to say. The songs are excellent. He's now collaborated with Justin Bieber on Justice, which we'll talk about when we talk about March. Um, and he's not even 18 yet. And that story is a really, really cool one. And I really yeah. love to see it. Um, let's talk about the songs. Bieber, Anyone. Obviously, I did make a big call at the start of the year. Still stands up as a very <laughs> strong you. song for me. I'd, I'd give it like top 10 big mainstream hits of the year for me. Like top 10 radio songs of the year. IMO. 
Um, and I know we're only at March, so it could be in the top 40 radio songs of the year. And considering radio That's only, okay. radio only plays about good. 40 songs, um, <laughs> you know, it could be, <laughs> could be lower. But no, I think Anyone was a really strong one. And, and I, I won't talk too much about Justice, but I think it's one of the strongest songs on the album. Um, but Without You is just perfect. I, I'm obsessed with that song at the moment. It's just a brilliant, heartbreaking, you know, simple ballad but it works and he is just a, such an interesting vocalist he's got that rasp to him that you it's like a pubescent rasp when your voice is still breaking yeah but <laughs> but it just it just works and it like it shows until it that it turns into testy pops just like me <laughs> until it turns into you yeah when you're 28 years old <laughs> He's um he's just fantastic and I think that song and he's found a really good collaborator in Omar Fetty who's been, you know, just so astronomically successful this year with um things like Mood by 24K Golden and um well sorry, Mood is a this year song for Australia. I know it was huge in America pretty much a year ago now. Yeah, we were ahead um, for you guys. You're way ahead on Mood, yeah. I can't lie. Um you know, Omar has become one of the go-to people to just make really simple but effective and emotional records, um, particularly in that kind of, you know, pop R&B crossover world. Yeah. And I think he's done an amazing job of it. Um, without You is just the perfect heartbreaking ballad. Like, I, I, I love it. It's definitely Without You. Yeah, I like to think about the songs that are going to be nostalgic for this new generation coming through, like the songs that are really nostalgic for us without making us sound like we're 100 years old because this song could still be nostalgic for us but just not in the same way when you're in like your formative like late teens and I think Without You and Driver's Licence both really fulfil that category of like just being at the like complete upper end of the spectrum in terms of emotions and giving it to you all full on and magnified and I just love that about with you, Without You that it doesn't hold anything back it's so over the top it's so dramatic you Um, ripped out a piece of me and now i bleed internally living without you that's the lyric yeah that's tell lord that's melodrama (laughs) (laughs) Um, and i just like i can't stop going back to it there is something really arresting about his voice as you said and even on the Bieber song, I mean, I, they probably are both kind of musical soulmates in some way because they both fulfill a similar area of music. And I remember like Bieber going through that point where his voice was breaking, but it also just sounded so good. Like he was on in his sweet spot at that point. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I've, I'm going to go without you on this one and we'll talk about the Bieber album later. Nice one. Good to agree with you. Shakes your hand. Shake hands. All right, February. <laughs> Moving into February. We've got a yes. new president. Well, Biden was inaugurated at the end of January. The Capitol's been stormed. <laughs> we're, we're moving into a more optimistic We say it future. wasn't a busy month. It was busy. Just January was very busy. Landscape. Yeah, there wasn't much music going on. Actually, that's not fair. J-Lo um, did her little cover of This Land Is Your Land, This Land Is Our Land, oh, <laughs> that, yeah. and then yelled a few words in Spanish and did a, <laughs> a very over-the-top version of Let's Get Loud. <laughs> that was wasn't that a moment? Also, we said there wasn't much, but we've managed to fill 25 minutes already talking about the one month. 
So we're going all right. Well, I mean, there could have been one album released in January and it was like the Holy Doolies or the Wiggles and we would have <laughs> filled up 25 minutes. So <laughs> Exactly. Let's fire through February because February is also a bit of a wet cloth of a month. Um, it was the album of the deluxe edition, the repackage. We got the Moonlight edition of Future Nostalgia and then we got a deluxe edition of Ariana Grande's Positions, which included a remix of 3435 with Megan Thee Stallion and Doja Cat, which launched it into the top 10 here. And it's kind of stuck around as well. I don't know. I don't think it's had the same impact in Australia. No, not really. Um, I think there was a bit of confusion about what the single was. Yeah. With the album, with the album to start with. Um, and then when the remix came out, it didn't really catch fire here because I don't know. You know what the hard thing is? Megan's not really worked here yet from a commercial perspective. I think it's mm-hmm. pretty, it's going to happen soon. She's on the new Maroon 5 record. So that's kind of her introduction to Australian radio, which to be, to be fair was Cardi's introduction to Australia as well on um, but both, on not what lovers both do. Both Cardi and Nikki leaned further into pop earlier than Megan. Megan, I yeah. feel like, is more in the rap world than either of them were. Yeah. And she's stuck there for a while. Like, when you consider Cardi's debut and Nikki's debut, how many pop moments were on those albums? And then you consider Megan's debut, and there's not really a pop moment on there, I don't think. No. And no, I think that's not. a product and of hip hop being really big and really commercial here in the US right now. But also, yeah. like, she doesn't work in Australia. That's kind of your, um, like, what's the word? Whatever. Not sure. <laughs> not fine. No, I get you. Today. I get you. Look, and I think, and not to get too deep, but I think also there's an element of Australia as a racist country. And he's afraid of anything that is remotely aggressive <laughs> there you go. on the radio, particularly when it's coming from a black woman. Absolutely. Um, so we've got a long way to go. And I think a lot of the uh, gatekeepers need to be a little bit more um, forceful on the listening audience when you've got the biggest artists in the US coming through with a single that easily could fit on the radio and us just not doing it because it's too scary. Yeah. Um, and Ariana with Megan and Dojo is such a better way to do it than... To be introduced Perfect. through a through a fucking Maroon Five app, like song that yeah. is absolutely horrific. I think it's um, awesome. No, 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 no. We don't need to, we don't need to give anyway, it that's any airtime. It's so bad. Um, <laughs> I like. I really like Ariana Thirty Four Thirty Five, and I think the remix is cute. It doesn't like add a lot. I don't think it's a yep. single that we're going to like remember for the rest of time or anything, but it's a nice little filler for the beginning of the year. Similarly, Dua Lipa's We're Good, which was kind of the lead single off the um, deluxe of the Moonlight edition, hasn't done anything. Um, and I think that's just because Levitating is still exploding here. It's still everywhere. Yep. They're coexisting in Australia at the moment on the radio. Um because I think levitating is because obviously it's the DaBaby version being played yeah. everywhere. Even um, in Australia. You know, yeah, they're playing the DaBaby version. Even on like the stations that normally cut the rap features out, the ones I was just talking about, the racist ones, um, yeah. you know, the DaBaby feature is playing. And I think DaBaby is just the perfect pop rapper. Um, anyway, that's a, that's a different discussion. That's a 2020 discussion. Yeah, Where Good is starting to break here. It's starting to work in Australia. I think it's a perfect kind of deluxe album track 
it is. It's, it's kind it's, of it ideal, gives me like it? part of me Katy Perry vibes, where it like yeah. wasn't quite as good as the rest of Teenage Dream, but it was good enough. Yeah, it couldn't be where Don't Start Now was. If you put that, if that was the first single from Future Nostalgia, the album would have flopped. No, but it's a perfect little addendum on the end. And the video, have you seen the music video? Yes, it's just so good. It's so it's good. I, I didn't think I could get so emotional about it. A lobster, but here we are. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about these deluxe editions and the sort of ringing out? And as Dua said, we love to milk it, babes. You know, what do you think of the milking of these records? Or, would, or do you prefer when artists just move on to the next batch of material? I love, like, I love an album and I love that package of an album and i don't really like it being Mm. fucked with too much but i'm also on the side that if you've got it release it so i'm kind of all up for more material if it's good the the issue i have about both of these deluxes is the Mm. ariana one the songs were just shit and short um extremely short they were like two minutes it's almost like she didn't even try and they've done nothing whereas i'm like if you just like ariana's got the chops to write a a great song why wouldn't yeah. you just stick another really strong single on there? I don't think that's exactly. the same criticism I have the duo one because the duo one, all the songs are pretty strong. Um, yeah. But then it's just like, it, like it wasn't enough. It wasn't what fans want. Fans know there's a lot of unreleased material floating around there from future nostalgia. Why not do yep. a Carly Rae Jepsen and give the whole like side B, give us like 10 tracks. It's, like people have been in quarantine everybody wants something to do she knows that better than anyone because future nostalgia thrived within that environment so yeah. just give if you're gonna do it give more don't give this like half-assed attempt at a deluxe so that's i get this feeling that we might get that still do I you get a feeling she's not done yet really you keeping in mind this, e- this era still has to be to it she hasn't That's done a show true. for this era yet. That's true. Um, I think there is no way she can do a global tour. There's no way she can release another album before she tours Future Nostalgia. It has to be experienced in this era. This era has to be one big thing. At the same time, there's no way she can get 100 dates around the globe, especially considering she probably can't start touring for another few months. There's no way she can get around the globe without releasing yeah. more music. That so is true. I have a feeling there's something like that. She's had that a shitload of singles afterwards, like following so many. the actual album release though, considering that like she had the remix album where they kind of re-released Levitating with Missy and um was it Madonna? Yeah, and then yeah. <laughs> wasn't Madonna, just Madonna. Um, <laughs> and then What's they had name? they had Levit like to Baby and then they had We're Good and then they had Fever with that um singer from Belgium. Yep. So she's had a prisoner with Miley. She's had so yep. many extras. It would be incredible to keep drawing it out. I mean, yeah, we love to milk, milk it, babes. I think she can do it. I think if there's one artist that can do it without becoming overexposed, it's Dua, because I think there is genuinely still intrigue on what is left in the tank for that yep. record. Absolutely. And I would definitely, if I saw that at the top of New Music Friday, I'd fucking hit play. I don't care how long oh, it takes. For sure. Apart from traipsing all around the globe during a pandemic, like, Dua's had a pretty phenomenal run for the future nostalgia <laughs> thing. Like, all of her performances have been great. Um, Unparalleled. The Grammys a dream performance run. was incredible, I thought. Yeah. It was so special. The, the 
the costume changes, the just the pop of it, just the pop star Absolutely. ridiculousness of it all. She's got such um, pop star energy, and I'm so glad that there's somebody within this generation that's doing that, you know, like yeah. not losing the entertainment of the whole thing. There's a few of yeah. them actually, like Doja and Megan are doing it too. But Doer's just had an unparalleled kind of run the last couple of years. Like it's just everything has worked and yeah. worked beyond their expectations, but worked just as you just as it should for the quality of the music, the, the cohesiveness of the product, then reaching into those. You know, when, when you go down that remix the whole album route, yeah. but then you also come back and do another deluxe version that has more material on it. It's like, how do you manage to fit all of that in, make it a part of the story and not yeah. lose any sight of who she is? You know exactly who she is as an artist. Phenomenal. It's a masterclass. Anyway, if her next album ends up in a flop stars episode, I will eat the plant next to me. There's right. N- what is the plant? I mean, it's here. No one's going to see this, but there it is. It's, it's quite like nice a Monstera, plant. isn't it? Yeah, yeah like kind of. It used to have a flower. I feel like you could eat a Monstera. I don't think I get sick, but it, th- there's a lot of soil, so I'm not sure it would be pleasant. Oh, yeah, you wouldn't want to eat the soil. Get sick. You would just want to eat the leaves themselves. Yeah, but that's not the point of it. I am saying I will eat the entirety of the plant. Yeah. Including the pot, which is painted a beautiful pale purple. Yeah. Um, the Monstera, you can <laughs> eat the Monstera. No shit. <laughs> it's called fruit salad plant in English because the Monstera tastes a bit just like about every delicious fruit that exists. Strawberry, banana, mango, guava, passion fruit. We've only got the leaves though. We don't even have a flower. We killed the flower. Eat a little bit of the... Um, I'm not going to oh. eat a little bit. How am I going to eat a little bit? <laughs> hey, houseraccoon.com says, yes, your Monstera is edible. I trust their <laughs> seasoned journalism. <laughs> I'm not eating a Monstera. I'm not doing okay. it. Okay. If her next album's a flop, monster. I'll eat it. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> How Fuck is this out. even possible that I'm even considering <laughs> eating a plant on this, an episode of this? What is See, this year's been, been so fucking boring for music. I have to eat a plant. <laughs> Moving Deary on. Me. A release that was not boring this year. I feel like mm-hmm. Cardi was the one that came through with the blockbuster release last year with WAP and finally made me feel like, thank goodness, like things are moving. We're getting big budget music again. And then she yes. came through with Up this year. Do you think yeah. that it was good enough to follow WAP? Oh, it's so hard, isn't it? Because um, it's a hard one to follow up. It's not an easy song. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's it's a hard one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. That's so bad. <laughs> Can I just say Nick's just made a big oh. blunder. We've cut it out and you're never going to hear what it was. So bad. It wasn't problematic. It was just... No, it wasn't. It was misinformed. Paul Re- Paul mis- yeah, it was misinformation, which we would never want to do in this podcast. Um, <laughs> see also Mike Pence Twitter header episode. Um, yeah, look, it's hard. It's so hard because you to to follow up a moment like WAP, and I think it a lot of that had to do with you know the her and Megan kind of playfulness of it as well, and so to come back with something solo and yeah. try and one up it or at least match it is a very difficult thing and i don't think up has done that it's still going well 
Um, it's number one and, here this week in the US. Yeah, but like, is it as much of a cultural moment as WAP is? No. no. And it's like, how do you get that? But also, how do you, how do you create a discography and a legacy that doesn't rely on arguably shock value to create the hits? Yeah, and I think it's good that Up doesn't really rely on shock value. And to get yeah. two number one singles in a row, when yeah. everybody is kind of almost calling for your demise in a way. You know when you're so big that everyone wants you to fail? And that's Over the exposure. point that she's at right now. Mm. And she's still got two number one singles in a row. Like, she's yeah. on top-tier pop star level shit now. And it's really Absolutely. exciting. This next album is going to be quite a moment, I think. And, like, I, d- I agree, I don't think Up is the cultural moment that WAP was, but I don't even think she could have tried to achieve that. So, like, I think it's a good bridge. And then she can yeah, kind of and, do and whatever the she argument... wants to do with the next single. Totally. And I think there's the argument that you need some light and shade in there as well. You can't be coming out with, yeah. you know, really arresting wowzers moments all the time if you want to create some kind of legacy in your discography. You've got to kind of balance it every now and then and I, yeah you're right up does create a good bridge we talk about this all the time on flop stars that like following up a moment like WAP or a big album or a big single is the hardest thing to do and sometimes the best thing that can happen is you have something that bridges it without matching it like it just kind of makes people stop saying how are they going to follow it up and it's just like you move on to the next era seem- seamlessly and I think up does that perfectly Yep, it's a good point. It's going to be really interesting to come back this time next year and see what Cardi is seen as, you know, what the moments have been this year because you know there will be moments and you know there will be excitement to come from Cardi. I want Nikki and Cardi so bad. I feel like it's going to happen. Yeah, it's got to be the year for it. Give it it to us without Migos. We don't need them involved, just the two of them. And call it like Fashion Week or something and just like put the whole thing (laughs) to rest. It'd be so good. (laughs) From Cardi to someone who's, I was going to say, very similar. Not similar at all. Taylor Swift. Yes. Re-recording all her material, which I have to say, as somebody who's written a lot of articles, not saved them and then lost them, the thought of rewriting (laughs) anything is just fucking tiresome to me. So the fact that she's going back... I mean, she stands to make a lot more money than I do from a $200 article, but um, (laughs) the thought of going back and re-recording your entire discography is just such a task. But I think she's doing it... She's doing quite a good job. She's managing to swell, like, quite a lot of excitement about it. And the fact that she re-released Love Story on Valentine's Day, managed to shoot it back into the charts... But it's crazy. She could have so many chart hits this year with old songs that everybody's yep. heard before. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's so hard though because obviously the first one is a big moment and I don't know whether everyone is going to be that moment, but also Taylor is so big that possibly that is the yeah. case. You're right. Um, I think it was, in, it was definitely an interesting story, but I found it hard to... When I was, I was on the radio talking about you know, we, we played it for a couple of weeks, the new version. Very difficult to kind of explain to people why it matters. Yeah. So I think the Swifties, the Swifties know the story and the Swifties know why this is important for her to put new versions out. People who understand music copyright and <laughs> are pop super fans care, but 
in terms of the audience that Taylor normally reaches with new material, I don't think that story crosses over as much to them. And I think that chart success is driven uh, largely by her existing fan base, you yeah. know, knowing the story and wanting to support her um, independence from from um, from Scooter. So it's it's going to be an interesting one. And I don't think her entire career this year and next can rely on re-releases. No. I think there's more to be done but than that. But when cool. these albums get released and they'll sit in her Spotify discography... What are people going to click on? Like, if you're going to go back and listen to 1989, for example, if there's mm. the new version there and the old version, which one are you going to go to? Because yeah, I feel version. like I'd go to the old version. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I remember listening to the JoJo records because oh, JoJo yeah, had a similar situation. Good, no, the re-records are awful. And so you just go to YouTube instead and type in JoJo yeah. Leave Original and you watch that. <laughs> um we're giving money like, to all the wrong people. I know. And it, it feels bad on a, you know, as people who care about this stuff, it feels very, you know, offensive. But what do you, what do, you do as a passive music consumer? Do you care? I care. But do you, does the passive music consumer who just wants to hear the Taylor Swift song I know. care and does know Carrie what this Taylor's Ann, like version is? like 42 thing? driving in a Holden Commodore down yeah. to Westfield to pick up some toast. Some toast. <laughs> to shake Is that some what she's toast. picking up? Some toast. <laughs> Pre-done? Yeah. Pre-done? So, so she's picking up the toast already, the bread already toasted. I don't know what people bread. eat anymore. I'm, I'm out here eating monster. Picking up a loaf so. of just toasted bread, pre-toasted <laughs> bread. So that by the time she gets at home, it's cold. That's what she's picking We are nearly at 50 minutes and we're not even halfway through February. So you need to drop the toast thing and we're going to move on. <laughs> so good. That's brilliant. That's my favourite. <laughs> All right. So Taylor Swift's re-recording. Good for her. Hope it goes well. Um, moving on. Our Rita. Our poor Rita. Our Rita. Our Rita. Our Rita. She has had a wild year. Wild year. She yes. made more headlines for partying illegally um, than she has for her EP, which I feel like has a few hits on it. Mostly the best song of the year, the Crazy Frog sample, which I actually didn't know there was actually a song before the Crazy Frog. Like, it's not the Crazy Frog yeah. song. The Beverly it's from Hills Beverly song. Yeah. Anyway. I found don't... this out co-hosting something with a man who is about 12 years older than me. And I said, oh, this song's got a sample in it. And he's like, yeah, from Beverly Hills Cop. I'm like, oh, I was going to say The Crazy Frog. I just think it's, it's really... The Crazy Frog song. Yeah. But dun, poor Rita, she's not, she's not charting anywhere with any of these four songs. <laughs> no. Surely she'll whip it out on The Voice. She'll give it a go on The Voice in Australia. Oh, she will. There's so many songs that, go, that are hits in Australia because they perform them on TV and then they're not hits anywhere else. Yeah. So Rita's currently in Australia, active in market. Um, she played at the Mardi Gras. She did a bunch of activations so around. So, what did you say? Active in market. I know. I realised that was very in. That was very in, wasn't it? She's present. She's she's actively out and about. That sounds like she's running in through a supermarket. The country <laughs> <laughs> to get toast. <laughs> she's out and about in, to get toast. Pre-toasted toast. Cold when you get at home. Uh, <laughs> You said, you said, no time for your toasting. 
Yeah, you bring the toast thing back up. Yeah, well, we're on my time, so... Okay, okay, yeah, no, fair, that's a good point. Um, end of your day, start of mine, etc. Um, the... The... Um, yeah, so she's here and she tried to get a TikTok trend going around Mardi Gras with Bang Bang, which is um, the, the lead single from the album. So it's David Guetta and Iman Beck, who produced all four songs. Iman Beck is the guy who remixed Roses by St. John to international success. Um, so just this, he's a Kazakhstani um, EDM producer and he's ended up doing the whole Raider record. Very bizarre story, but we love it. Um, and she tried to get this trend going on TikTok where... Um, people would be unsure what to wear until the drop hits. And then when the drop hits, Rita's helping them get dressed. It was very fucking weird. And <laughs> they tried to get it going at some sort of TikTok event before Mardi Gras and about four people didn't. And it didn't really work. Um, but our Rita is... She's on the radio and she's definitely topical is in she? Australia she? What song's the on the radio? Bang Bang's on the radio pretty excessively. Um sounding better with every listen to be honest it's a, just a fun yeah. dance song so i reckon yeah when she's on the voice it might help her to sort of push into the mainstream a little bit more but the problem is she's trying to push into Carrie ann 42 toast um but she's got <laughs> um you know she's got banging house records that yeah should be yeah you know what i mean so it's a it's a difficult dichotomy she's got to balance yes Scooting onto an event that's not quite the magnitude of Brita Aura doing um, <coughs> Mardi Gras, but the weekend headline Super Bowl, <laughs> which might have gone unnoticed. <laughs> but I've heard a lot of complaints about this performance. I yeah. thought it was fucking amazing. So did I. And I think we've had this discussion before, but I'm not a massive weekend fan um, until I saw him live with you at Coachella. And then once again, was not a massive weekend fan. Obviously, I think Blinding Lights, blinding record. Um, but I thought it was a great performance. I thought it was really interesting. It moved fast. It was a massive scale for what was actually a downscale version yeah. of what he wanted to do. Um, I thought that Mirror Room was a really fascinating way to do that really frenetic part of the song. Um, yeah, I thought it was a really great performance and I, I don't know what people were hearing. I think the main concerns were coming from people who were in loud bars and couldn't fucking hear it. But I, I was think sitting that's here with headphones on. Because when I heard it on the TV, I thought it was a little bit lacklustre. And then I went back okay. with headphones and listened on the computer and then I was like, it's amazing. Yeah. So He's maybe really that was impressive. it. Yeah. Maybe. He's got some yes. hits. He's got some hits. He Mr. does. Weekend. You wouldn't know it from watching the Grammys, but he's got some hits. He's got some hits. All right, song game. Let's pump through it. We've got Sweet. Cardi B's Up versus Ariana Grande's 3435 remix with Megan and Doja. Oh, hard one. I really like 3435. Um, but I also naturally want to talk about Cardi. So I'm going to go... Uh, uh, I always have to bring it back to the song And I like 34-35 better Even the remix So I'm going to go 34-35 Yeah, I think I'm going to go 34-35 as well I really liked the original I like the chemistry of the three of them together I think yep. Doja and Ariana have some great chemistry together um, <coughs> Megan comes Like Megan does a great guess first So yeah, yep. let's go with that Doja's one. in a really interesting spot isn't she yeah i feel like there's a bit of confusion as to what she is it's like yeah, is she is because she can do so much yeah exactly she's, she's so fucking multi-talented she's kind of like on nikki's level i think 
in terms yeah. of that she could easily be do the pop thing and she could easily do the rap thing and she can go between them very easily. And then I think of like Cardi and Megan more as like um, as musical kins in that way. Yeah, not that, more not the that they side. have to be compared, but I'm just thinking from a career perspective. No. Naturally, um, we pit women against each other. So yeah, it's the whole point of this. <laughs> Who are we podcast. to stop that? <laughs> <laughs> the next one is Zara Larson's "Look What You've Done." Versus Dua Lipa's Wegut. Uh, wow. Okay, so Zara, poster girl. Look what you've done is the big ABBA moment that comes out just prior to the album. Is the is the sort of pre-album single. Um, doing nothing. Doing nothing. But great song. Great song. You're just speaking in my language right now. Um, but we're good, I think, particularly with the context of being so late in the process of this album and literally being like an add-on at the end. Still dwarfs. Look what you've done. You know, um, what's the word? Goodness. Um, so I'm going to go. I'm going to go with. I can't think of the word. Uh, we're good for that battle. Yeah, if we're thinking in terms of goodness, we're good's definitely more goodness because it's got the, the word good in the title. That's a good point. What's I can't the fucking even think word? Don't know. Quality. 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 There we go. Oh my Something God. this podcast is not. Fucking paint <laughs> talk. <laughs> I really like Look What You've Done and I really yeah. like We're Good as well but I just think yeah Dua kind of has the edge on this one like you instantly when you hear I'm on an island it's like yeah it feels exciting even though the song You're on doesn't your really bullshit. go anywhere but, exactly. <laughs> but Look What You've Done yeah it takes a little bit longer to get into both great but I'll give it to We're Good and now we're in March well we are literally in the, the month of March but yeah. we're talking about the month of March as well in retrospect. Even though but if you're listening April. to this podcast in April or May, you're not in March. So, you know, that's the beauty of podcasting. Well, I feel like it? you've got to you've got to listen to it like this week, this podcast. It's not going to age well, <laughs> unlike some of the others. <laughs> well, it's not. It's very topical. So I might just put a thing on it saying don't bother listening if you haven't made the effort to listen to it on time. I think it's good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I think the first thing we should talk about is Silk Sonic. Obviously, big news that Bruno Mars is back, but he's bringing a friend with him in Anderson Pack. And Anderson Pack doesn't really have the commercial um, viability that Bruno does. So it's mm. interesting for this to be his first entr- entrance back after 24K Magic, which is an album that won the bloody Grammy album of the year and a lot of other Grammys as well, causing yep. uproar as it does. Um, do you think this is a good decision and what do you think of the first song? Oh, as soon as I heard they were coming together, I was like, yep, this will work. This will work just fine. It feels right. Feels like, feels right. Feels so right. And again, watching the early interviews, um, you know, their chat with Zane Lowe, you can tell the chemistry is genuine from a friendship perspective as well. Um, the first song is so good. It's just it's kind of exactly what I was expecting. It's like a jazzy Motown 70s thing, but with a great hook. Yeah. Um, and it just sounds really expansive. It's the kind of, al- this is the kind of album that I know I'm going to want the vinyl of. Um, oh, it's look like, at you. Indie no, kid. I just I just see myself popping it on on like a Saturday night and just like jazzing out to it and drinking a, <laughs> a few drinking candles. Drinking an $8 Shiraz. Yeah, bit of toast. A couple of candles. $8 Shiraz. <laughs> bit of toast. Fuck off. <laughs> um, what kind of sold me 
beyond hearing the first single was seeing them perform at the Grammys. Oh. So they performed a few songs, but they performed the In Memoriam. I can't remember what song it was, but they performed the In Memoriam. And they just, together on stage, like that is going to be a live show for the books. It's going to be so good. Um, yeah. It's quite minimalist, but it also sounds huge at the same time. And I think they can, you know, they've got so much to play with in terms of what they do on TV, what they do to bring these songs to life from a live perspective but the album itself I like I know it's going to be good um the, so- I think the first will- song I was like this is a bit of a strange um debut single but it's just grown and grown and grown and yeah. it, it's really cool to hear a song that's such a slow burner like that starting to do really well on the charts and on radio as well Absolutely. because it definitely doesn't sound like anything else that's around right now that's it but I think it also sounds very um because it's so reminiscent and it's such a obvious hat tip to 70s Motown classics. Um, I think it will work in its own way because it is so instantly identifiable and you can identify what's going on and, and what the sound is meant to be. Um, I would be surprised if they are not in the top three most nominated at the Grammys next year, for sure. Because yeah, this album is I think undoubtedly so going to be amazing. Which we should go straight on to the Grammys then. And I just, like, there's a lot to talk about, obviously, if you unpack the Grammys as a whole, but given that time's pumping on, let's just go with the the big three categories. Yep. If I slept through 2020, and then, which, God, wouldn't have that been good, <laughs> and somebody told me that the three defining moments of the year were hers, I Can't Breathe, Billie Eilish's Everything I Wanted, and Taylor Swift's folklore, I would have been like, well, I'm glad I slept through it. Yeah. That is not yeah. the de- that is not the sound of 2020. It's just not. No. And they're so off the mark. I think maybe Taylor's folklore is fair enough. Like, big album that came out of nowhere and really defined the pandemic era. And I get yeah. that her's a very powerful songwriter. And that's obviously a song that's about a very poignant time in history. But you can't just hand off an award like that because because it's kind of like a token, you know? It's yeah. just not... The, and Billie it's Eilish's Everything I Wanted as Record of the Year overdue as Don't Start Now is is BS, in my opinion. I mean, I, it was already I, BS the weekend wasn't nominated, but... Yeah. I have this feeling Billie's going to win Record of the Year three years in a row and that Therefore I, so I Am too. will win it next year. She could because do that's bloody a, anything and she... Therefore I Am is tenfold better than Everything I Wanted, it's which I think so is a good much song. better. But it's I just I think everything song. I wanted is fine, but it's like a middle of an album song. Yeah. And everyone who bangs on about it's such gorgeous songwriting, like shut up. Just shut up. It's not. Here it goes. We can it's stop 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 thinking out. that we all have to praise Billie Eilish at least three times a year because the song is fine. It's fine. Yeah. We know we know she's great. Um I, I love I get look, fired up. Anybody who yeah. knows me knows how much I bloody love Don't Start Now. <laughs> Gone into war. <laughs> I'll go into war for our pandemic travel queen. I, will <laughs> I think just touching on the her thing for a second, it's a really tough one because she obviously met the moment and I think there's credit for meeting the moment, but I don't think that's what the Grammys is about and I don't think that should be what the Grammys is about, meeting the moment with a song. It's got to be based on the song itself and not... You, you're right, it can potentially be construed as tokenistic to give it to that record based on its 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 content and its timing. 
Um, yeah. The Grammys yeah, is inherently racist and inherently sexist, and this year yeah. was a very obvious attempt to try and reverse that. But yeah. the problem is there's no equality if you're just going to do it based on Absolutely. the fact that you feel like you have to do it, you know? Tokenism it's, in music is exhausting. And it's so exhausting. I'm over it, and I'm over it. Completely over it, you see. That's Let's go on a light. Let's go on a light. Gotten very fired up. I'm over it. <laughs> bloody Billy Eilish. Bloody Grammys. Literally, I don't get what this generation sees in her. Hashtag boycott Grammys. Just be- actually, just before we do move on, really briefly, there seems to be, you know, from the weekend and a couple of other folks, this idea of boycotting the Grammys and this idea of the Grammys potentially losing the credibility that it did have. What's your take on that? Do you think the Grammys was credible and is now less credible? Is this the end of its credibility kind of equilibrium? I mean, it's always not been credible and it's always been corrupt and people keep yeah. going back to it. Like, if you think that the artists, the artists who boycotted it, like Beyonce lost, has lost album of the year every year she's been nominated for it. She's still the most awarded um, female in Grammy's history, but she's never been... She's only won one award in the main categories. And she, like... And it clearly would piss her off, but she turned up this year. Drake stopped submitting his songs to the Grammys and then this year turned up in a few of the nominations. So the thing is, it just holds this, like, cultural importance that, like, there's nothing that's replacing it. And I think until there's a replacement, which is a long, long way off... People are going to keep going to it. So I think it would almost be better to repair it from the inside rather than try and find something new, you know. But it's like, totally. what are you going to do? How long is the weekend going to um, boycott it for until there's like somebody else on the Grammys board or somebody else directing the show that's like, we're changing it all. And he's like, okay, I'm back on board. And then he loses exactly. album of the year to Taylor Swift. <laughs> like it's just, <laughs> it's going to happen. And it's just this cycle. So it's like, do we just turn off and stop watching and stop talking about it? Because yeah, it has so many problems. It's hard to know where to start. You could tell Beyonce turned up for Megan and only Megan. She didn't yeah. care about anything else. She just wanted to support Meg. Because even yeah. when Trevor Noah, who I thought was a pretty awkward host. So um, awkward. So strange. He's usually quite endearing, but he yeah, was just cold. It was mm. very bizarre. Um, when he delivered the news that she had, you know, with the winner on Savage, become the most awarded female artist in Grammy history, she didn't give a shit. She no. was like, get me off she was this like, stage. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah she was could... like, get me off this stage. It was so She's obvious. like, if one of you ratchet bitches gives me COVID, I swear to God. <laughs> I'd leave my house once in 18 months to come and support my little friend Megan. And if you, one of you motherfuckers gives me COVID, I'm fucking I'm not like Jewel or Radar. I'm not, I'm not used to flying <laughs> halfway around the world during the pandemic. Get me back to Jamaica. <laughs> All right, we're banging on, but I think we do need to talk about Justin Bieber's Justice, which arrived last week. He's back to pop music. I feel like he's back on his game. What do you think? Yeah, it's interesting. The album is not as strong as I thought it would be. There's definitely some lovely moments. It's definitely like a nice older cousin to journals, but I don't know. It's See, I'm the opposite. I think it's so much stronger than I thought it was going to be. Really? But I haven't enjoyed any of the singles. Yeah. Whereas I really did. I think think anyone's a great 
track, like just a, a brilliant ballad. I think I've Hold On is so now. much fun. Um, but like even the one with the, like the track with Leroy, um, Unstable is nice, but like love it. No drums one of my faves, it. actually. Yeah, it's amazing. You you never cease to astound me. Um, <laughs> I think it's a great. I think it's a great one. What I really like about it is it does gen. It does feel genuinely like Justin is finding something and is. He seems enthusiastic again. Which I think is something. He's doing all the, like, live performances. Um, He's doing a lot of press. It feels like he maybe cares. I get that sense. One thing, though, we have to say. The Martin Luther King interlude is just the most mindless thing ever. What is going on with that? (laughs) Like, are they trying to say... Because it's his whole speech, and then it goes into a song called Die For You. So are they trying to, like, appropriate MLK's words to be about, like, marriage? And Clearly. It's very odd. It was totally unnecessary. So strange. That is a very, like, Grammy's attempt at meeting the moment and totally yeah. missing. <laughs> so bad. I can't even think of it like a, a moment that's quite as bad as that. But anyway, it's so weird. That, the album's pretty good. Yeah, I feel like he will... It's, it's a tough one with Justin. I feel like sometimes he leans into what's going on in his life a bit too much and it becomes too insular. So, like, I don't, I just don't want a whole album of songs about Hayley. I just don't care. Like, I feel like we should just... Like, he should just pump singles out every month. Give yeah, us a single done. a month. Well, he goes We don't need that the whole phase. album palaver. Yeah. He goes through the phases, I think. And in between albums, he pops up on everything. Um, So I think it won't be too far until we just see him popping up on other people's songs once again, um, which will be a really positive thing. Yeah, I think so too. The other album that came out, which you probably won't have much of an opinion on. Oh, fucking here we go. (laughs) This is why Lana Del Rey hasn't appeared on an episode of Flop Stars, because you probably wouldn't turn up. I'd have to get a new host for the week. Anyway, she backed up um, Norman fucking Rockwell with chemtrails over the country club. As per usual, barely any promo. um, And (laughs) announced a new album the day after (laughs) chemtrails was released (laughs) in an Instagram story where she wrote the text over a screenshot (laughs) of an article. I think it was from Variety. You could barely read what she'd written. She'd taken issue with it. And she decided that was the moment she was going to announce the next album. This is not just an alternative artist. This is an a- this is an artist who's projected to debut at number two, just behind Justin Bieber this week, with over a hundred k of sales. <laughs> and she seems to do so by doing absolutely everything in her power to destroy her career. <laughs> you have nailed it's incredible. it. I find her. I'm finding her more and more endearing. I find her amusing <laughs> as well. I find her funny. Yeah. I think she is so self-aware of her. I think she's very aware of her place in she's the She's aware like, of her place, but also incredibly unself-aware. That's it. It's so strange. I think she knows she's the outlier. She knows she's the weirdo in the overall pop scene. She knows she's critically lauded, but sort of among her peers... In, some peers think she is the second coming of Christ and others don't care for her. Um, 
Yeah, I'm still... I, I, I can't lie. I can't say I've heard the album. I can't say I'm going to listen to the album at this stage. Just not yeah. on my radar at the moment. I've never understood Lana in her entirety. I understand the Americana of it. I understand the nostalgia of it and the sort of conf- the, the mystery of her. I can't say I care. Yeah. That's all. I care um, a lot. I yeah, love a bit of Lana. Love this lead, album. Yeah. I won't bang you on it. You take the lead here it's and a then good I'll album. take the lead on Addison Ray. It's a good album. It's not as good as Norman fucking Rockwell. Um, okay. But she, uh, my phone popped up the other day with a notification saying Lana Del Rey has gone live and my body literally seized <laughs> up. <laughs> I was like, what is she going to do now? <laughs> what was she doing? <laughs> she was singing Megan Thee Stallion's Body Oddy Oddy while out on a street, a neighborhood street, and there were like no. kids running around, and she was just yelling, Body, addy, addy, addy. You are kidding. Yeah. I mean, it's not as bad as it could have been. <laughs> All right. Hit me on Addison Ray's Obsessed. So, yeah, I thought it was worth us having a quick chat about, you know, a very recent single, one that came out last week that has a lot of conversations happening, and that is the debut single, pro- debut single proper from the TikTok superstar Addison Rae. So she's got 80 million followers on TikTok, was really an early adopt to it, has been a part of a lot of the, the TikToker drama, but has put out her first actual single, uh, co-written by Leland and a couple of other um, key pop writers. She's been in the studio with Benny Blanco. The song has come out and it's just got, in my personal opinion, got no personality to it. It's got no oh identity. I'm Doesn't so glad you said artist. that. I thought you were going the other way. No, and this is the thing that like, we were talking about TikTok and earnest music working on TikTok and honesty working on TikTok. And I just don't think they've met the mark here with this debut for Addison. But I'm hopeful. I think you can throw as much money at her as you want. And yeah. she's in the studio with like Charlie XCX. Obviously, if Leland's on it, there's some serious money and some serious songwriters behind it. Which makes her sense voice is because... just not good enough. And no, that's inescapable. Yeah, that that's it. And and the songs have no identity and I don't think she knows. There's all the power to her. She's She's got yeah, followers galore. Go. She's got power galore. Do what you want. But I just think if you are going to have a really good go at it, just give it some time. Spend some time crafting yeah. who you are and what you are. And I think to come out with a debut statement that isn't actually a statement of anything, um, you know, doesn't help set you up as an artist in my opinion it's so weak some people are saying they love it i don't know what where they're coming from to be to be fair i can it's catchy it's in my head but it doesn't like anyone could have sung that song anyone Mm. could have sung it it's not a moment it's derivative (laughs) to be fair i probably couldn't have sung it but (laughs) (laughs) yeah but like i would have done a worse job it's not in your register you know yeah i just thought Bring it's it interesting and it's going to be interesting to see, you know, some more of the, you know, the D'Amelio's, you know, there's talk of the D'Amelio's signing a record deal as well. And, um, you know, taking some of these more dance based TikTokers into the vocal pop space yeah. and how that's going to happen. And you I've know got what? a feeling the Do D'Amelio's are Because better. pop's all about like populating it with the really like like hyper popular people of the time and that's fine that's the nature of the genre i'm not going to get angry about it like no the more the merrier but i'm also this is not an this is not an old man yell at cloud 
internet people thinking they can come and be pop stars. Yeah. Like, it is doable. You can do a really fucking good job of it. And most of the hit makers of the last five years have been that. You can do it like they do with Shawn Mendes, although he did start differently. He did start with actual, you know, with music. Um, yeah. But it's, it is possible to do it really well. And I have a really good feeling about Charlie D'Amelio. I think that will work because she's got a really interesting, sharp personality. And I just have a feeling the music will match it. Um, but I just I can't be bothered with an anonymity and a lack of identity and just half done songs as well. Yeah. Give me something. To- Tell me who totally you are. Totally with you. Great. Um, we're just going to do one song, one song in the final song game because we are, well, not one song because it needs a competitor. One um, battle. We're going to do one battle because we're really <laughs> dragging on. Um, yes, and then I want to ask you about something to finish off the podcast. Okay. Um, so BB Rex's Sacrifice. Versus My Head and My Heart by Ava Max, which has really started to take off here in the last month. Hard one. I think My Head and My Heart is a, is a really well done song and I think Ava is continuing to become one of the most exciting simple pop stars out there at the moment. Simple um, pop stars. <laughs> you know, just what you see is what you get. Isn't that, not yeah. that deep? Um, you know, it's got that great sample from that ATB song from the noughties. Um, so it's got a bit of a sort of recollection to it. That chorus bangs. I think yeah. it's great. I'm going to go my head and my heart. I'm excited about BB's year ahead, but and as good as Sacrifice is, I don't think it's going to become a moment quite like the Abermax song is. You just didn't even like care to say anything about the poor BB and her little song. Just no, I did. On to I Ava. noted. You're, you're I noted. I noted my thoughts on BB. Well, you know that I've I had my moments with Ava. I think mm. my head and my heart's fun. Um, but Sacrifice is such a moment for BB. I don't know if it's going to do anything. I hope it's going to do any something for her. I have such a place in my heart for her ever since we met her. She's so chaotic and so she funny. She's so wonderful. She, she really deserves to do well. So I'm going to go Sacrifice on this one for sure. It's such a banger. You have my support on that. And BB has my support for life. So today, this is what, and this is what I want to lead in, leave off with. Um, today, I was watching the Demi Lovato documentary. She's released the yep. first two episodes of it. It is very heavy. It's extremely is it episodic. Heavy. It's I thought episodic, it was one thing. Yeah. No, oh. that she's released the first two episodes. So she's gone through the lead up to the overdose, and then she's done the day of the overdose, and it oh. is very heavy. And got like I can't even imagine what she or the people around her were we're going through at that point and it's like an, an awful tale of um, addiction and personal trauma. But then she puts yeah. on Twitter today, what, what was your favorite moment from the documentary? Like, what are you meant to answer from that? God. Oh, the, the point where you turned blue and they had to scoop vomit out of your mouth. What the fuck? I know. How could you have a favorite part? Topical. Oh, I loved it. Couldn't get enough of that bit. Holy shit. Wait, where is this tweet? She tweeted it today. Can you see it? What's your fave part of the Demi DWTD doco? What? Yeah. No. So with that, let's end on a watch of where, what other people say. 
<laughs> How is it doing? You'll be pleased to know I brought it up. Um predicting that this is what you would be doing. So I'm pleased okay. to announce that Sam Fisher and uh, Demi Lovato's What Other People Say has hit a new peak on Spotify of number 191 worldwide. It's a new peak. Worldwide sure number 191. Yeah, that's its new peak. It's still not charting at all in the US, but worldwide, okay. everything aggregated, it's number 191. Number 52 in Australia, which is great. But on iTunes, and everyone uses iTunes still, number 276 in the US. <laughs> God, it's not looking so it's good for there. me. I'm going to have to send you a bottle of Kylie wine and eat the plant next to me. <laughs> I mean, where do we do do we call the what other people say watch here, or do we? Well, that's up to you because you've got to send me the. I mean, I'm not going to say Look, you're not doing particularly well. However, the album is out next week, so maybe wait till that. It might true. get another. Okay, we'll push. wait for the album. That's a good point. Okay, okay, let's I'm giving you a bit of leeway there. <laughs> and everyone loves this segment. The feedback's been incredible. <laughs> <laughs> What other people say, watch. <laughs> you know, I love doing shit like this. Um, thanks for a great episode and thanks for a great first quarter of the year so far. Thanks to everyone who's come along the journey with us, and particularly if you're new to the journey, we really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. It's been fun. We've basically rounded it. We're nearly in April after the length of this episode. Yeah, we've been. <laughs> That's the beauty um, of But if you've made it this far, Bravo to you because there were some moments that weren't very interesting. So no, not at all. Um, make sure you hit follow and subscribe, and we'll be back with another episode where we go back a little bit further next week. See ya. Bye.